Um, if you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to uh, Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Um, um, if you haven't got a Bible, I'll be projecting it up on the screen. If you're a visitor here, you're very welcome. Thank you for coming. Um, um, last week, Jeremy was here. Uh, Jeremy and Anne, they spent the weekend with us. I hope you feel encouraged by I hope you were encouraged by that. Um, Jer- if you're, for those of you who weren't here, if you remember, Jeremy spoke about um, breaking the spirit of discouragement. Uh, across the church, across the nation, across Teesside, across the nations. It was about, he spoke about using the gift, or he actually in one of his quotes described it as a weapon, didn't he? Um, A weapon, um, the weapon of encouragement. Remember what he said encouragement meant? Encouragement meant to instill courage into you. So it was about, so he kind of really unpacked about what it was to be an encouraging people, as Dennis said, to um, um, defeat the enemy's lies. It was about um, really holding on to the truth and bringing encouragement into our lives. We're not going to stand for any of the enemy's tactics here, are we? Are we? That's why I love when the prophetic comes in, when uh, Sue brought what she, saw, uh, what she brought. The prophetic lifts our head above things that we can see in the, in the natural and takes us to a different place, God's place. So I want to encourage you, keep bringing God's word for the moment. Um, Jubilee, as we lay the foundations for our 500 church, when you look around the room, you might think, what? I believe God is pressing us on that way. Yeah. So as we lay those foundations, um, as, uh, we've got to stand strong. That is so important. We're going to press through the highs and the lows. We're going to um, move with God. We're going to join together because that's very important as we press on and encourage one another and build church. Because um, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus, the great King, because He is building our church. And so... Over, the, over, over, over time, this is going to be difficult, I think, as we start building church. It's going to involve working differently. There's going to be foundational changes, which God has really kind of spoken to us about over the last, uh, last year or so, which we're gradually putting into place. More teamwork, getting out of our kind of independence and my way of thinking of working. It will mean uncomfortable changes sometimes. That's what God does when he moves the church forward. Uh, It involves submission to different people's gifting. It will mean getting alongside and nurturing others, training people. A lot of you are very good at that. It will mean stepping out of our comfort zones. It will mean giving more. It will mean relying on God more. It It will mean moving on in faith, stepping out in faith, trusting God. Sometimes it will be emotionally draining. But hear this, Jubilee. God is on the move. Jesus is building his church. As we're going to see tonight, it's very exciting that God is building church across Teesside. As we see, we'll see tonight, as we share, as we celebrate, in lots of different styles, that's what's going to happen tonight. God is on the move. And that's the adventure. That's the battle that God has for us. And so this morning, you probably gathered by me saying, uh, Psalm, I'm a bit croaky this morning, by the way. You might have noticed. I've been uh, shouting since 6 o'clock. 
we've hosted a party, a whole load of guys. Um, we didn't host a party. We, we served in a party of about uh, 300 people last night um, with bands all raising money for our charity. Uh, a whole load of guys helped out. Sarush, Jabba, Jasim, Hassan, Matthew. Um, uh, lots of people helped out in serving 500 sausages, 250 burgers, all in the space of one and a half hours. So I'm a bit, um, I'm a bit croaky this morning. But this morning we're going to be, as I said, uh, going off piste. I'm uh, uh, going to preach on Psalm 27, which is not one of the pastoral letters, you, uh, as you probably gathered. Um, but it's very much about releasing everyone. And I really felt Kirian sent, me an e- sent us an email the other day and she said, you know, sometimes it's important to speak the word of the moment. And I just felt this was the word of the moment. This is something that I've been meditating on. Um, um, and really Psalm 27 is where King David, the writer of this psalm, is preparing his heart, uh, is preparing his heart um, through, uh, is preparing his heart, if you like, to go, get through issues of discouragement and fear. It's about, it's about walking through those valleys, if you like, into fruitfulness and purpose and joy. The early church father, Augustine, once said, fear, fear is, the, is, is the response of the human heart when it's one thing is threatened. That's what God has really spoken to me about has been speaking to me about more recently, that one thing. This psalm is a psalm that battles distraction. It battles disappointment. It battles double-mindedness and drifting and despair. It's about faith. It's about our one thing. So that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. Let's read the psalm, shall we? Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Only one one thing I ask, and this is the main thing, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and he will set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn over. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a good God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are building your church. Thank you, Jesus, that you we can trust and rely on. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you pour out joy onto your church. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the stuff that Andy and Jill are doing out in Turkey. I thank you, Lord, that we've had the privilege of sending them and their amazing work amongst a very non-Christian world. We pray, Lord Jesus, for that nation, Turkey, and all the nations that come into that nation. We pray, have your way. Pour out your compassion. Pour out your grace. I pray, Lord God, that this church sends more people to more nations over the years to come. I pray, Lord Jesus, that this uh, church raises up men and women passionate for you and passionate for your call. You, Lord Jesus, are our one thing. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, this is very real, isn't it? It's very real. David here is describing very real things that happen in life that bring about fear. What I find fascinating about this psalm is that David doesn't just sweep away bad things under the carpet. Everything's okay, guys. Get on with your life. It's going to turn out great. Stop panicking. Don't worry. Be happy. Famous song. Now, the psalmist here, he's real. He's in the world. See what he's doing. Verse 2. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, though an army besiege me. Verse 10. Though my father and mother forsake me. There's nothing in the Bible about David's mom and dad bailing out of his life. At the time of writing, most people would agree that King David wasn't actually in the midst of what he was describing. It wasn't happening in the there and then, no. This actually, when David's writing this psalm, this actually isn't don't worry, be happy. It's almost the opposite, actually. He's kind of imagining the worst possible scenario. Our counsellors tell us not to do that. I'm a GP, that's not a pop at counsellors, by the way. But our counsellors said, just pretend it's okay, or imagine, or don't get too hung up about bad things. But this is not what David is doing here. He is, he, is, he is imagining all the worst things that life could throw at him. And then he's saying, I want a strategy of life to get through. That's what he's saying. He's not blocking out all the stuff that could happen. Rather, he's facing it boldly, confidently, head on. Jubilee, God says we need to be prepared for setbacks, for discouragements of life, for the times of fear and worry. Because if we're not When they come, and they will come, they'll take us by surprise. We'll react to them as if life's unfair. We won't be ready. And really, that's what I want to unpack in a little bit more detail this morning. I don't think I'll be speaking too long. And then we'll break bread. Um, The one thing that this um, passage talks about, I believe this is going to be a line in the sand moment, just a bit like last week, where as we step over that line, we are walking into a different adventure as part of Jubilee. And so what does he say? What does he say about the one thing? It says, verse 4 here, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him 
in his temple. One thing. And really, that one thing is made up of three things, actually. Funny that, isn't it? Even King David has three points. Three things. One thing, three things. Dwelling, gazing, and seeking. That's where we're going this morning. So firstly, dwelling. Dwelling. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Where do you live, Jubilee? Where do you live? And I don't mean geographically. Hopefully most of you will be able to answer that question. It's a really important question. Jubilee, dwelling in God is vital to the soul. God has really been speaking to me about that more recently. Every Monday morning for a few hours, it's not the only time, but every Monday for a few hours, this is exactly what I've been getting into the habit of doing. A few hours. Sometimes I feel guilty about it, and if I'm honest, Charlotte kind of rushes off to work, and, and I'm thinking maybe I should be at work earning money or something. But I'm getting better at it. I'm starting, I'm really starting to enjoy it. Sarush and Marvash, I know Sarush was sharing at our elders, they've been doing that in, uh, on a morning. Simon does it increasingly. Gavin does it. I sometimes sit in the bath. You might not want to know that. I sometimes go for a walk. I sometimes stroll around in front of my chalkboard, uh, my blackboard with chalk in my hand. I sometimes look through this big pane of this, this uh, glass window Dwelling, dwelling, dwelling in the house of the Lord. You see, do you believe we're not hearing God prophetically? How can we speak into situations, into the church, into friendship circles prophetically? If we're not hearing, how can we speak? How can we lead into what God is doing uh, or saying? Our two-year-old John John, he speaks, he speaks to others what we speak to him. Very important. Dwelling is vital. Uh, In this psalm, David isn't um, describing a physical place at all. This place doesn't have an address. You're not going to find it on Google Maps or Apple Maps, Maps, Matthew. David here is describing a deep, deep soul yearning for the unbroken presence of God in his life. That's what dwelling is about. As Sue was kind of saying, this morning. Archbishop William Temple once said, your religion, listen to this, hear this, your religion is what you do with your solitude. Your religion is what you do with your solitude when you're alone. What does he mean? He means when you're on your own for hours and you have nothing to read or listen to, nothing to look at, when your mind isn't forced to think of anything else, where does it naturally go? Where does it love to dwell? Is it with God? His glory, his beauty, his majesty, his loveliness? Or do you get distracted all the time? Does God get fitted in amongst all the other things? Your money situations, your worry, your kids, your work pressures, relationship issues, what people think about you. Does does God really take center stage in all of these things, Jubilee? What's the one thing? Bill Johnson, 
who leads Bethel Church, says this, I cannot live in mediocrity, content merely knowing that there is more of God to experience and explore and then do nothing about it. Truths that are not experienced are in effect more like theories than truths. Whenever God reveals truth to us, he is inviting us into a divine encounter. Wow. Jubilee. God the Holy Spirit is alive and real. His presence is tangible and life-saving. And the one thing he asks us is to taste and see that he is good. Dwelling in the presence of God. It's a big deal. Dwelling. But there's also gazing. One thing I ask of the Lord is, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Gazing. I love that word, gazing. Note David doesn't say here, hey, have a quick look at God from time to time. Yeah. Or he doesn't say, briefly check out the Lord in your spare time. No, he says, gaze. He says, stop. He says, slow down, Jubilee. Take it in. Watch carefully. Gaze. When I was working at uh, James Cook Hospital um, uh, and first met Charlotte, uh, and she probably doesn't know I'm going to say this, and she doesn't know I'm going to say this, because she probably doesn't have, probably the first time I've really thought about it and vocalized it, I was thinking, wow, she, when I was thinking, wow, she's hot. And she, and she was thinking, wow, what a plonker. <laughs> I remember sitting at the doctor's desk, gazing at Charlotte. She was a hospital doctor then. I'd see things like the curls in her hair, how her face expressed real compassion for people who were sick. This wasn't just a job. How she didn't wear much jewelry. Her pearly, slightly sticking out collarbone. How her face showed so much concentration when she was taking blood. This gazing, staring, I should have got rested really. This gazing, this staring for a few moments took me away from the frantic life of, as a junior doctor and allowed me to see her more, understand her more for who she was, become more attracted. Gazing. Psalm 46 says, Be still, slow down, breaks on, and know that I am God. Jubilee, God is calling us to slow down for him. He's warning us against the myth that if we hurry, 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 we will buy more time for ourselves. Hurry, I believe, Hurry, I believe, is, the, is one of the greatest enemies of our spiritual life in our day. Hurry can destroy us. Hurry can keep us from living well for Jesus. And by the way, that doesn't mean we'll never be busy. We will. Jesus often had loads to do. But never, but, but he never, but never did it, um, but never did it, 
sever his relationship, his life-giving connection between him and his father. He never did it in a way that interfered with his inability to give love when love was called for. That's a really important sign. He observed a regular practice of taking time out, withdrawing from activity uh, for the sake of solitude and prayer and time with his father. Jesus was often busy, but never hurried. John Ortberg writes, Solitude is is the one place where we can gain freedom from the forces of society that will otherwise relentlessly mould us. That's why I take photos. I love taking photos. You probably see me, you know, clicking away on my phone. That's, I, lo- I love gazing at the beauty of art. It forces me to stop. It forces me to meditate. It forces me to contemplate. And eventually, it forces me to delight in what I'm seeing. Delight in everything that God has put before me. I was reading uh, Matthew 6 the other morning and praying and at this very same moment uh, as I was doing this, uh, I was seeing this picture out the side of my window. You may have noticed I still haven't cleaned my windows. But anyhow, try not to be distracted by that. As I was reading Matthew 6, I was just listening to these birds singing right in front of me. And this is what I was reading. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, or the birds. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. God loves to speak to us in ways that get our attention, that transform our thinking, that raise our heads, doesn't he? Are we allowing time, Jubilee, to gaze, gaze, slow down, gaze on the beauty of the Lord? So one thing, dwelling. One thing, dwelling in the presence of God. One thing, gazing on Jesus' beauty. Finally, seeking him. Finally, seeking him. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him, to seek him in his temple. Do you believe the Christian life is an adventure? That word, um, that word seek in verse 4 is a very, very specific specific Hebrew word and it means to get counsel to get advice guidance if you like from God adventuring with God Jubilee is purposeful is thought out, is planned James 1.5 says if you lack if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts, hear this, is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That's not how we want to be. God is purposeful. This book, the Bible, that we have on our iPads or wherever, um, isn't primarily a manual. It's life to us. God's breathed word. God's word of truth 
and transformation. Something happens because of it. In some ways, it's more like a map, if you like, directing us more and more over the years, through the highs, through the lows, through different seasons, through different experiences. But it's a map directing us to a treasure trove, our pearl of greatest price, to Jesus. To Jesus, our beautiful one. Theology, the Bible, meditating on this matters. Andrew Wilson writes, a Bible teacher, one of our New Frontiers Bible teachers, he says, I believe there is nothing anywhere that is more worth reading about and responding to than the character of God. In fact, I'm convinced that if your knowledge of God doesn't grow, then neither will you. This book, the Bible, exposes the lies of the world the cultural deceptions that we don't even know or realize that we're living out. This book bigs up the importance, the importance of the church, our multicolored, beautiful togetherness in Christ in all we do. This book turns theologians into worshippers, great men and women of God like William Carey, Hudson Taylor, Corrie Ten Boom, Jim Elliott, Charles Wesley, Augustus Tepledi, Isaac Watts, Jackie Pullinger, Terry Virgo, George Whitfield, Spurgeon, Jonathan Edwards, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Anne Judson. Lots, lots more. These people were worshippers through their theology by the Bible speaking to them, bringing their mind alive, heart alive, resulting in action. The Bible motivates us all to be missionaries like them, sent with purpose and fruitfulness into the world, beautiful flowers amidst a derelict world. Gavin, you remember us? Ta- you remember me taking this shot when we went on our walk? Jubilee, this book is our treasure map on our adventure with God. Keep it close. Value it. Open it. Meditate. Paul declares, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. We're going to land and worship again soon and break bread. But I'm going to end with this. A man called Jim Elliot aged 25, and six other missionaries decided that God had called them to go into the jungles of Ecuador and make contact with a very primitive and dangerous tribe, the Akua tribe, which means savage, actually, that described them, who'd never heard the gospel, never heard the hope of Jesus. They were going to meet them. They were going to try and live with them, learn their language, try and give them a written version of their language. Um, bring, bring in literacy and teach them. Introduce them to Jesus, hopefully. They knew it was going to be dangerous. So the night before, they were going to make contact with these tribes people, the Akua tribe. They sat around a table and they sang a very famous hymn together. And it went like this. I'm not going to sing it. We rest on thee, our shield and our defender. We go not forth alone against the foe, for the enemy, Strong in thy strength, safe in thy keeping tender, we rest on thee. That's what they sang together that night. The next day, January the 8th, 1956, they were all speared to death. 
Years later, his wife, his wife who carried on his work, Elizabeth, carried on the work in the Akua tribe and made great, made great progress, actually, over the years. Elizabeth Elliot was asked, how can you live with what that hymn declares and what actually happened? We rest on thee, they sang, strong in thy strength and safe in thy keeping, they sang. Next day, they were speared. That doesn't make sense, Mrs. Elliot. But she said it did. She said it did. And he said, and she said it made sense to him too. Because the hymn continues and it says this, Jesus, our righteousness, our sure foundation, our prince of glory and our king of love. You see, if the one thing that's non-negotiable in, in your life, if the one thing you really want, if the one thing you really need, if the one thing is to dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to seek Him in His temple, if that is your one thing, then you're absolutely safe. Because the worst thing that could ever happen to you would be like a spear going through your heart. That's what happened to them. And do you know what? On that terrible day, that tragic day, that gruesome day, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. They gazed upon the beauty of the Lord Jesus in a way they had never done before. In other words, they finally got what they desired most. The one thing. An English missionary um, named Alan Gardner in 1851, he was on his way to South America to start a new mission. And he was shipwrecked on a very remote island. He and his companions tried their very best to stay alive until somebody came to find them. But you know what? Nobody did. Finally, he died as well. Far away from everybody, far away from loved ones, far away from his family, dying of thirst, a horrible death. When they finally discovered his body, because he died on that island, when he finally discovered his body, when they finally discovered his body, they found next to him his quiet time notebook, his journal. And they opened it up and they saw on the very last page he had written out Psalm 34:10. And this is what it says: The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any other good thing. And right underneath, it said this, his very last words, I am overwhelmed with the sense of goodness, of the goodness of God. I am overwhelmed with, the se- with a sense of the goodness of God. His last thoughts. Jim Elliot had one thing. Alan Gardner had the one thing. And so there was nothing that they needed to be afraid of. Jubilee, he is our greatest hope, our one thing. This is the thing that gets us through as we seek him, as we gaze at him, as we dwell in his presence. This is the one thing that God calls all of us to. A life of faith, a life of relationship, a life of beauty. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We're going to break bread now. So I'm going to ask you actually, why don't you go get your bread and wine and come back?